time to power up. Power up. Autobots, roll out. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. We're sitting here with author Carrie English, uh, so thank you for coming on. And you have four written works currently, correct? Or are there more? Oh, gosh. You know, I think it depends on whether you count self, self-published works. It might be more than four. I confess that I have not counted. Okay. Well, I mean, self-published is just as good as, norm- as regularly published. So, um, And you're up for the Hugo this re- year. Which is amazing, so congratulations on that. Well, thank you so much. I am delighted and honored to be nominated. Yeah. And now, I know there's a whole wonderful argument going on about the Hugos this year, which I, I, we're going to avoid. Oh, because, okay. Just because, uh, you know, it's best to focus, at least in my mind, it's best to focus on that. Unless you want to talk about it, then I'm more than happy to, but it's up to you. You know, everybody else is talking about that, so let's talk about something else. Awesome. Okay. So, which of your works is up for the Hugo this year? It is a short story called Totaled, and it was published in July in Galaxy's Edge magazine. Okay. Uh, now, what is so? What is uh, different about this story than any other story out there? Well, this is a story, it's hard science fiction, and it's about a healthcare dystopia, which we had in the United States when I wrote the story, and which I think we still sort of have now. Mm -hmm. And essentially, it asks the question, what would happen if a person could be totaled the same way a car can be totaled when you have a car accident? Hmm. Okay. That's, That's an interesting concept, to be honest. So how do you total a, a human being? Because, I, I, you know, I know if a car gets into an accident and there's so much damage, whether it's the frame or uh, X number of factors uh, come into play, then it's considered total, and, you know, then they have to replace the car. But the human body is a little bit different. So how does that work? Well, you see, that's that's what got me thinking. If you were going to total a human being, how would you account for the value? And I thought about, okay, well, we've got salary over lifetime. So let's say that someone can be totaled if their the cost of their proposed medical care will exceed their salary over their stated lifetime. What I wanted to do is think in a sort of actuarial sense. Hmm. So... You know, as you approach your peak earning years, the value for your total might go up. And then as you get closer and closer to retirement, your value for a total might go down. Mm. And it would vary with education. It might even, unfortunately, vary with gender since women are traditionally still paid less than men for the same position and the same work. Okay. So there there are several factors 
playing in there. So someone at the age of 18 with no college degree would be totaled out at a different amount compared to maybe someone that is in college at 18 and has a job. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, you know, definitely someone who is 18 and is not yet going to college might be totaled out at something very different than, say, someone like the CEO of a multinational corporation. Okay. Wow. I mean, that's that's really a really interesting take. I've, uh, I don't even think there's anything out there like that. So, wow. I mean, how do you cover that all in a short story? I mean, wow. Well, I covered it very, very briefly. I set it up in the context of a single individual. Okay. And she is a Ph.D. research scientist, and she's already been totaled. So for her, she's saying, wow, I thought I was safe because, you know, my salary is high because of my degree. Plus, she had a multiplier for patents. So, you know, her salary over lifetime, she had a multiplier of three for patents because she's a research scientist. So she came up with an invention. Well, they would say, okay, well, you need to multiply that salary to take into account the intellectual property. Um, and so I did it by showcasing one individual. And I, I mentioned that, you know, the poor, the elderly, the uneducated, they could be totaled for much, much less. But even this fairly high value individual, at least from a salary standpoint, had been totaled. Mm. So what happens to an individual after they've been totaled? I mean, does that mean they're no longer able to work? Or, I mean, what happens after that? Well, if you're looking at something in this particular case, we were looking at a catastrophic car accident. Mm -hmm. And so essentially she died. If the person, you know, I would think maybe hospice care, and that's all you would get. But in this case, the person died. No care was given. Um because that's what they do with cars. Mm-hmm. If your car is totaled, it gets towed away, and that's that. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Th- that is that's kind of bleak and scary. I hope we never go to that system. <laughs> I hope I hope we never go to that system too. There's a long history in science fiction of a story based on the premise of. If this goes on. And so I'm definitely not advocating that we go there. But if you take some of our previous health care policies to a logical extreme, that's where you end up. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. That's that is very interesting. So so if health care were to take over, that's where things would possibly go. That's that is scary, Um, especially with the changes we've seen. Uh, Huh. Wow. So besides the Hugo Award that you're up for, you also were the winner of the Writers of the Future this year award. Yeah. For, yes, um, I was. Now, uh, the story is Blind Judge? The stories are Blind Judge. There is no name on the story. Mm-hmm. There's only a title. Wow. So, I mean, how, do, how does that go in? I mean, because that's got to be a lot of anxiety because your name's not on there. Or a title, and you send this story in and hope everyone likes it. I mean, the anxiety level just has to go through the roof on that. You know, it does. But frankly, I like the blind judging system because, to me, that means that I know my my story will be judged 
only on this story. It won't be judged because an editor knows me, or it won't be judged because, hey, this sounds like a female name and she's writing hard science fiction. I bet it's not all that. Or or even the inverse. This is a female name and women rock when they write science fiction. It's nice because it's judged solely on the story. Um, so that part I definitely like. As far as the anxiety, it usually takes around three months on the average to get your results back. Mm -hmm. And there's this wonderful community of us at the Writers of the Future forums. And we all wait and we all agonize together and we get silly and we talk about tequila and brownies and many, many other stranger things. So, yes, there's anxiety, but there's also a wonderful sense of community and camaraderie that's developed around the contest. Okay. So what got you into writing? There had to have been some point that made you decide, hey, I want to be a writer. Star Wars. Okay. I'm, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's Star Wars. I was in about the eighth grade, and it was in between Empire Strikes Back and the third movie, and I couldn't wait. There was no way I could wait an entire year to find out what happened to Han Solo. He was frozen in carbonite. Yep. So I wrote a sequel, and I wrote it longhand in pencil in a spiral notebook, and then my friends knew I was writing it, and they wanted it, so we passed the pages in the hallways, and that's what got me started writing. You know, and back then, we didn't even call it fan fiction. Nobody knew what that was, but essentially, I started by writing Star Wars fan fiction. Okay, nice. So, does that mean you're really excited for the new Episode 7 coming out this Christmas? The trailers are so awesome. Yes, I'm very excited. I'm a little skeptical because I liked the first trilogy a lot better than the second trilogy. So the trailers, they're hearkening back to everything in the first trilogy that I loved. And so I I would call it cautious enthusiasm. Okay. I I have to admit, I kind of got the tingle when we saw Han Solo and Chewbacca in the hallway of the Falcon saying, we're home. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, that was perfect in, in my mind. I, I want, I can't wait to see how J.J. Abrams has kind of put this together because we don't know. I mean, I know Disney has tossed everything out, so who knows where we go from here because many of us have read all these various books and comic books or, or stories here and there, so we kind of have this idea and who knows, you know, will we see Thrawn, you know, Admiral Thrawn or the, the the clones of the emperor or anything like that so i'm excited yes me too all of that would be so cool i haven't read every single star wars book that's ever come out but i've read a lot of them okay so star wars got you into writing and kind of built this uh this desire to write stories um what has kind of fueled that over the years because i'm sure you know you've probably had jobs or other things pulling you in various different directions as distractions, what has kind of kept you focused and continued on this passion of writing? Well, you know, I did drop out of writing. I stopped for about 25 years. And what had happened is that, you know, in high school, I wrote uh, one play and a couple of short stories, and I sent them out. I even sent one to Writers of the Future, and I got rejections. And back then, you know, we, we didn't have the Internet, and we couldn't find out that that was normal. And so after I got maybe five or six rejections, and I think there were even one or two personals in there, I thought, well, gosh, I don't have it. I'm 
not good enough to do this. So I went to college, I got a quote, real job, and, and went about my life, except that my life always involved writing. I wrote educational materials, I wrote curriculum, um, I have written for Yahoo, I've written politics, gossip, travel, and news, and I have been a gamer, mostly tabletop, um, to some extent, uh, computer games as well. But there was something about gaming that just sort of kept my hand in. You know, I read write, write character backgrounds, or sometimes when you're dealing with a text mud or a chat room based game, that's writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, once I had been writing for Yahoo for a while, story ideas, they just started coming back and pressing their noses up against the glass. And I thought, gosh, maybe I'll try this again. Maybe I'll give it one more go. Okay. So you, you brought up, you've played tabletop games. So I'm assuming that's role playing like D&D and stuff like that. Um, and when we talked earlier, you kind of mentioned that there was kind of a pretty monumentous event that you kind of did several years ago. Ha, yes. Okay, in my junior high school, the very first tabletop gaming club was started by three girls, uh, myself and my two best friends. We just wanted to game, and so we set up this club, and people are always so amazed. It's like, what, three girls started the gaming club? Yeah, three girls started the gaming club in my junior high school way back in 1983 or something. (laughs) I have to, I have to congratulate you guys because you're right. Normally it's guys, uh, but the fact that three girls did that, uh, that's just amazing. And and it sounds like the love of gaming's kind of stayed there, at least for yes. you, throughout the years. Yes, definitely. Now, do you still continue to game, or is that kind of moved off to the side? You know, I still have Lord of the Rings Online on my computer. And every now and then I go back to Gemstone, which is a text mud. Mm-hmm. But writing has sort of absorbed a lot of that creative energy. So if I find myself, for instance, with an hour in the evening and I might have gamed, I might be writing instead. Or that part of me, that creative part that gets into the gaming, especially in the text mud sense, has often been sort of used up by the writing. Gotcha. So do I still love it? I do still love it. But I don't do it all that often anymore. Yeah. So the creative juices are now being absorbed elsewhere. Yes. So. Now, um Kind of going back, I apologize. The Writers of the Future story is actually being published uh, in an anthology, uh, which actually has a really great release date. Uh, It comes out on May 4th, correct? It it does. And for me, that's just so fitting. That's Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. And my story is in it, and the book launches on that day. So, yes, I am so excited, and it's a perfect release day. Well, I I have to say it is perfect because... This whole thing, this whole path for you started with Star Wars, and now it's kind of ending with Star Wars by winning yes. this award. Yes. So, wow. I mean, that's just amazing. Uh, it is. That, that, it, that is a great day, too, you know, let, let alone it's science fiction stories as well, coming out on one of the most celebrated science fiction fantasy uh, movies of all time. So, Wow. That, that's just amazing. So what are some other things? Um, now, if you say you had a group of, let's say, four individuals that would want, that want to learn how to start writing, 
what are some things that you would tell them on how to start out? Let's see. Um, I would say that, you know, just do it. So what whatever it is you happen to be doing, if you're looking out your window and you can see a tree or you can see cars go by, describe them. Um, I would say write something, any story. Think of a plot and write it beginning to end. Don't endlessly noodle, oh, I have to get the beginning just right or I have to, I have to spend two years writing the character background. We all do that and don't do it. Just write it. Get it all on paper. Get it finished. Share it with some of your friends and get some feedback if you want it and then stop and do it again because it's about mileage. It's about the more words that you can get written, that's how you get better. Not necessarily endlessly tweaking the same paragraph over and over. Write a different paragraph. Write more paragraphs. Okay. So uh, the more you write, the better you get pretty much. Yeah, I think so. I think that, you know, some people say that, well, you can't really get better writing fiction if you're writing nonfiction. And I've got to disagree because that's how I got better. When I came back to fiction writing after doing 25 years of nonfiction writing, I was a lot better. My first entry to Writers of the Future, when I came back to fiction, it was actually the second short story I'd ever written as an adult. And it was a semi-finalist. And what that means is that there was only one story in my subgenre that was better than mine, and that story was the finalist. So... It put mine in, you know, the top maybe half percent of the entries for the quarter. So anything, just about anything you write improves your skills. You also need to read a lot because when you read fiction, especially, you're training the inner voice and the inner ear to know how fiction flows and how it's structured. And it happens without you even being aware of it. So I would imagine that someone who doesn't read much might have a problem becoming a writer. But most of us who are in this business, we were obsessive readers anyways. We were reading under the covers with a flashlight after lights out pretty much as soon as we could hold the book. Nice. Yeah. So if you're wanting – so basically, let me recap this. So – Continue to write no matter what. Uh, fini- yes. Finish what you start and then uh, be a big reader is yes. what I'm getting. All right. Okay. Yes. Now, uh, besides the, the, these t- short stories that you, you've won these awards on, what are your other works that you have out there? Um, right now, all I have out are, are short stories. Okay. I ghostwrite. So I'm currently working on a multi-volume novel series as a ghostwriter. I can't tell you anything more than that. The first volume I thought was going to be out by the end of 2015, but I'm looking at the calendar and it's almost May, and I now I think it's going to be 2016. Um, and I am working on a fantasy novel that is sitting with a publisher. Well, the partial is sitting with the publisher. They have requested the full manuscript, and that is a young adult fantasy trilogy. Hmm. Okay. Now, have you found that it's kind of difficult being a ghostwriter and not really having your name, or has it been really fun doing that? I, I've kind of heard both sides of the fences on this Well. One. In this particular case, legally, it is ghostwriting. The IP, intellectual property, is not mine. So it's somebody else's world. 
But when it comes out, it will have my name on it because in terms of how we work together, it is very much a collaboration. And I can tell you that it is science fantasy. If I were to describe it, I would say that it's Avatar meets Star Wars. Oh, interesting. I'll have to to wait till this comes out. That's actually really interesting. Um, Okay. Well, um, let's kind of go back to writing. What are some things about writing that you currently find really enjoyable? Because now you've moved away from the creative writing with role-playing games and stuff like that, and you're actually now writing these short stories. Where do you find your satisfaction, and where does the fun come from? The the fun, I am what's called a pantser, which means I write by the seat of my pants. I sometimes don't know the entire plot of my story before I start. And so I'm one of those people who can have characters go off and do something strange. And then it's like I only get to find out what happens in the story as I write it. And so it's almost like reading it myself, not knowing what's going to happen. That part's actually really fun. Um, in Poseidon's Eyes, if people read that one, there's a place where I wanted my character to go over to a section of town called the mansions. And so I'm already, okay, now you gotta go to the mansions. And she says, no, I'm hungry. I'm gonna go get some lunch. What are you, what are you doing? What, 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 what? You're going to the cafe? No, no. Except that as I then wrote the scene where she goes to get some lunch, everything fell into place. And it gave her the perfect motivation to to go over to the mansions, which is where she needed to be, but she needed a reason to go there. So that part's fun. Okay. All right. Now, um, we've got the Writers of the Future Award. Now, what would happen if all the stars aligned and everything worked out and then you could also come home with the Hugo this year. I mean, what would your thoughts on that be? Oh man, that's something I can't even wrap my head around. When, when I was, you know, here I am, this 18 year old writer and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm writing in my bedroom. I had two goals and my goals were to win the Writers of the Future contest and to join SIFWA, the Science Fiction Writers of America, as an active member, which is the sort of the highest tier of membership. You have to have three short story sales or a novel contract to join at that level. And those actually happened for me in the same month in March of last year. Uh, pardon me, in June of last year. So at that point... I never dreamed about winning a Hugo because that was so far beyond anything I could think of. You know, I'd seen the little pictures of the rocket ships on the spines of the books at the library, but like that's, that's famous author stuff. That's mid-career stuff. This is so far, even just being nominated, it's so far that anything I've ever dreamed of that I can't, I literally cannot wrap my mind around the possibility that I might win. And if it happens, I will cry. I will cry right there on their live stream in front of everybody because it would just be that amazing. Yeah, yeah it would have to be. Um, you know, I mean, we're up for a nomination for a Hugo this year, and as shocking and as amazing as it is, if we, I would probably cry in front of everyone. If, you know, here, this is a guy saying this. I would probably literally 
tears coming down uh, if we were to win that because it, I mean, it, it kind of um, validates all the work you've put in uh, up to this point for you know in the creative process and for anything you do to, to win an award like this, um, especially as a writer because you're really putting kind of your heart and soul into the pages even though you know in, in your case you wrote about this medical dystopian place. There's a bit of you, I think, that kind of transfers in there some some way, and maybe I'm wrong. No, there there definitely is, and one of the things that inspired that story was that my sister had a car accident, and she was fine. There were there were no injuries, but her car was totaled, and so it the writing does get very personal. And yes, there 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 are bits of my soul in every single thing I write. But hey, congratulations! I didn't know you guys were up for a Hugo. That's so awesome. Yeah, uh, I mean, we haven't really been running. Run I mean, we kind of announced it uh, on our webpage, but. Um it's kind of one of those things just with all the posts and the articles and that that's going around. It's kind of something where you're like, do I announce it? Do I really say anything? Just because it's kind of been a volatile situation, it seems like. But um, no, but thank you. And, you know, congrats to you because I know it's not easy uh, to be up for these type of awards. Um, so w- what else is... Okay, so the writing's done, and yeah, what do you do to kind of relax or do for fun now? Because uh, you know, there's not really the gaming aspect. So, what else do you do to to kind of relax and recharge then? I read, and I I read science fiction and fantasy because, like I said, you have to read in order to be able to write. So, you know, I I read as much as I can. I would say that I read once a week, maybe. And it's usually a little bit before bed. Um, occasionally, I will watch some television. And when I say television, I, I mean Netflix. We don't have regular television. But, you know, I will binge watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Or I will binge watch The 100. Um, and we like camping. We have a camper van. So when we can, we like to just get out of town, get out into nature, and unhook from everything. Okay, all all good answers. Um, you know, in, in my my home, we don't have normal TV either. We just we've got Netflix. That's what we have now. So, um, I just recently binged watched the new Daredevil series. So, that is it's amazing. I don't know if you've seen it or not. I have been hearing a lot about it on Facebook. Yeah. So at some point, I will have to sit down and watch one. Yeah, I, if you've seen the movies. You're going to be so much more impressed. Uh, okay. More true to the character. Very rich story. Uh, you know, they brought some hum- uh, humanity to Wilson Fisk, the kingpin, which you don't normally see in the comics or in past movies. So I've really enjoyed it. Um, and Netflix has done a really well job of bringing movies in, but now they're really starting to create their own uh, original content, which is kind of exciting to to see. That is exciting. I have heard the same thing about Amazon, that they'll be creating original content and that, for instance, HBO is willing to license its content individually. And so even if you don't have cable, uh, allegedly you can still get HBO now or, or it's coming or something like that. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm excited about that stuff. Yeah, they just released uh, – it's going to be like Netflix. Uh, you pay $15 a month and you can get all their shows. Uh, cool. Uh, whether they're the movies or the, the TV series they do, which, you know, 
you can now have, you know, $30 a month. You could have your HBO stuff and you have your uh, Netflix stuff and you're still paying. It's still cheaper than normal uh, cable and you can still yes. have decent stuff going. So, yes, it, it is exciting. Um, and, and you're right. Amazon's developing their own stuff. Uh, Man in the High Castle was a great pilot, which I know uh, got enough votes on it that they're now going to do the entire series. Um, that was I don't know if you've seen that, that pilot. I haven't. Um, they did it. It's based off of a, a book. I can't remember the author's name off the top of my head now, but they did a great job. I've read the book, and it's tough when stuff gets converted to TV, but they did an amazing job. So, um, yeah. All right. Well, you know, I want to say thank you for your time. Uh, congratulations on the Hugo nomination. Congratulations on winning uh, Writers of the Future. Um, where can our listeners go to find you? I have a website. It is carryenglish.com, and they can find me on most of the online retailers, um, Amazon, Kobo, BN.com, uh, let's see, Draft2Digital, they're a distributor, so you can't buy books directly to them, but if it's an online bookstore, I'm probably there. Okay. And Carrie is spelled with a K, so it's K-A-R-Y. Yes, K-A-R-Y. Okay. E N G L I S H, just like the language, carryenglish.com. All right. And, uh, well, is there any other last minute thing that you want to throw out to the listeners? I think I'm good, and I'm just so happy that you invited me on, and thank you for your time, and thank you for such an awesome interview. Yeah, no problem. And, you know, uh, it was great having you on the show, and we'd love to have you back anytime, so. I have your information. You have mine. You're welcome to just throw it back my way. If you have, say, another anthology coming out or a book coming out, we'd love to have you on to, to talk about it. Excellent. Thank you so okay. much. Well, thank you. Bye-bye, boys. Have fun storming the castle. Think it'll work? It would take a miracle. Bye-bye. Bye.